Hi, I'm Daniel Dresner, and there are lots of things grown-ups can't see or hear. Hi, I'm Anne-Marie Cox, and I wouldn't have minded living my whole life without knowing this book isn't good, but I guess it's something. <laughs> Welcome to Space the Nation, where we look at science fiction through the lens of... Organized hypocrisies. And historical contestability. Today we'll be talking about Tanana Reeve Dew's My Soul to Keep, which is available at fine booksellers everywhere. And it is, Dan, you do it for me. Tanana Reeve Dew. We were mispronouncing her name for several episodes. Yes. We apologize for this. We apologize to to the author for mispronouncing it. It's entirely possible we're going to do this again in this episode, although we're although to that. if she listens to the episode, we'll have more than her name mispronunciations to sort of extend our apologies, apologies for. for. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 In the next few weeks, we'll be talking about The Core, which I am very <laughs> excited about, mm-hmm. and then Prospect to fulfill everyone's need for Pedro Pascal good dad narratives. Mm -hmm. And in case they're not watching Mandalorian, which I don't watch. So I will very much be in need for a a prospect movie. And in the next few weeks, we'll be talking about the core, which I'm looking forward to. And then Dan, Mm -hmm. why are we doing prospect? Because Pedro Pascal is internet daddy at this point, I believe. And this was one of the films which he sort of winds up doing that role, although not originally, and and you'll see when we watch the film. Interesting. We're also going to do some version of The Last of Us. Is that correct, Dan? Uh, That is, I I think, yeah, we're both watching it. It seems appropriate. You know, We're not going to do it episode by episode, obviously. No, 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 no. no. But we are going to talk about the first season, I think, which will, I think, is is coming to a conclusion very soon. If you are not already a patron, please consider becoming a patron. Our Patreon page is patreon.com slash space the nation. There are many reasons to become a patron, including getting your episodes early. Also, a few special episodes. We haven't done one in a while, but we're planning on doing one, I think, oh, pretty no, we've, soon we've, here. we've got some plans in the works on that one, yes. Yeah. Yes. And of course, if we get to 250 patrons, we will do another special episode only for patrons, chosen only by the patrons. patrons. And it can be about anything. It doesn't have That's to be fair. about sci-fi. It could be about 10 Things I Hate About You or... You know, uh, you keep naming things I don't actually want people to give us. (laughs) (laughs) Titanic. (laughs) Yes, there we go. (laughs) I was thinking maybe All the President's Men, like some movie that would, it's really good, but we just never do for this podcast. That's true. Yeah. All right. But the best reason to become a patron is to join our Discord, which is Mm -hmm. a lively, uh, kind, and hilarious place to be a very good community there it is an active and welcoming hangout Mm -hmm. even though dan and i aren't there that often dan's there more often than he was yeah yeah so i'm discord daddy now (laughs) (laughs) careful dan i know sorry Another thing you can do is just tell your friends and neighbors and also rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. Uh, If you want to reach out to us beyond that, I mean, obviously, again, becoming a patron means you can contact us via the Discord. But other than that, we're available on various forms of social media. Anna is on Instagram. I am on Mastodon and Post and will occasionally still check my Twitter feed. Anna, I believe you're working on I have a website. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I have a website, AnnaMarieCox.com. And then also, Dan, I announced this last time. But mm-hmm. I am now a columnist for the New Republic. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I have a the, thing the in-flight to put magazine, in my bio. The in-flight <laughs> magazine for Air Force Air One, Anna? <laughs> Sorry. I will never hear that. Old. I know. I know. It, old. It's, <laughs> listeners, if you don't get that joke, it's fine. It's just an old joke. Uh, speaking of being old, Dan, do you have something else you do? Like some little hobby you have? I have a sub stack. I didn't think that was old, but like, you know, it's a sub stack. It's called Dresner's World. It's a little am, hobby. Yeah, it, it's a hobby. I'm, I'm writing it's some stuff there, you know, and uh, it's feeling, I'm feeling good as I'm writing stuff there. And I also occasionally write stuff for Vox or for foreign policy or what have you. Yes, we're around, mm-hmm. just not much, so much on Twitter anymore because of the whole Nazi transphobe. Thing just shitstorm, basically, yeah, yeah. Dan, just very quick aside, did you mm-hmm. see that Twitter Twitter's profits were down forty <laughs> percent? 
No, I did not see that. Yeah, yeah. I Wall can't Street Journal had a story like that last week that uh, uh, as of December they were down forty percent, and that's just this December is profits, not sales. That's impressive. I mean, that's impressive because like he revenue. Yeah. Oh, revenue. Okay, that makes a little more sense because yeah. say what you will about Elon Musk, he has fired almost everyone there, so I assume he's potentially cut costs. The thing I found amusing, actually, in terms of an aside, is that I believe he stopped paying vendors, including uh, Amazon Web Services. And the way Amazon is responded to this is saying, well, you know, we advertise on Twitter, so what do you want here? Um, <laughs> and apparently that's caused Musk to back down just a little bit. I just feel like maybe he's not as smart as he thought he was. That's just my... That's just you know, that's going to be a theme that runs through this particular episode, on. Oh, wow! Yes, that's true. Let's let's talk about let's talk about the thing we're supposed to talk about. Yes, we're talking about Tanana Reeve Dew's uh, My Soul to Keep. Um, Anna, why are we doing this? It was recommended on so many lists, Dan. <laughs> I'm already apologetic. Listeners, you know what you're in for. Yep. It was recommended by so many people, as you noted, mm-hmm. blurbed by... Octavia Butler and Stephen King. That is a kick-ass combination. Like, if I'm we seeing that on both a book... Of, we love them. We do. We yep. love them. Yep. I was thinking that was a sign of, okay, really looking forward to this. She won the Bram Stoker Award for this, and she's apparently friendly with Jordan Peele. These seem these seem great. These all seem like promising markers, and yet, spoiler alert: Anna and I did not like this book. Not really not like all it. that much. Yeah. No. Yeah. So yeah, that kind of brings us to the next question: Is will this podcast ruin it for you? <laughs> it might, because we're going to go to town on this book and why we didn't like it. Um, I will say, if you want your horror fiction unadulterated without surprises, don't listen. Read the book first. That's definitely true. But, you know, beyond that, no, I don't think we're going to go too much into the plot. Or we're maybe just, just don't read it. Like, yeah. it, it's, I'm, we may be wrong. Like, or not wrong. Everyone gets to like what they like. Everyone gets to like what they like. But we did not like this, and we independently did not like this. It wasn't like we convinced the other one. You know, we were in our own little cocoons reading this. And finally, I, I texted Anna saying, this is the dumbest fucking protagonist I have ever read in a book. And she was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. I also want to say that the animal violence in this book <laughs> is really extreme. Yes. I'm laughing because it's really extreme. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> No, no, Anna is laughing because, listeners, I will add another content warning. Oh, 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 right. Yes. First of all, Anna is absolutely correct. This book pretty much opens with a dog dying. Dying a horrible death. You're dying a horrible, horrible death. And and again, credit to do. Extended, four pages. Yeah, that, that, I was like, okay, I know this is a horror novel. I'm definitely horrified. That's fine. But when we were talking about this at one point, I was like, I can't believe the animal violence. And I had to respond with, yes, and also a kid dies. A kid is murdered in this book. You know, and I was like, oh, right. I forgot about that. So from here on in, Anna's really fixated on the animal horror. And I get that. I'm with her on the dog stuff. But I'm going to add as a parent, the kid stuff for me was just a little bit worse. And they both were bad. For what it's worth, the extended sequences where Kira is in danger yeah. were disturbing. Yes. Like, because it's not just, spoiler alert, her death that mm-hmm. is upsetting. It's, no, it's it's the run-up to that, yes. She is put in danger right. a lot. And it is, and, the, again, this is where, again, compliment to do, like, you're supposed to feel dread about this and it works. Yep, yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious. I'm sort of curious about her other stuff now because mm-hmm. I feel like you can see in this that she might have good things in her. Yeah, but no, there, not this. I mean, there's stuff I kind of wanted to know after reading this, which we will get to in a in a yeah. bit. But yeah, this this book was very frustrating. Should we get to the story behind the story, Anna? Yeah, sure. There's a, there's a little bit. Okay, so, I mean, in some ways, this seems to me about, like, you know, a novel about the, you know, ultimate supernatural Florida man. Yes, right? <laughs> like, Florida man very stupidly kills people. Like, that's Florida man the is, plot. It, Florida, Florida man is immortal <laughs> and dumb as a post. Florida man 
like rashly kills a bunch of people he didn't yep. need to. <laughs> nope. nope. That's what, like one of the weirdly funny things about this book is that the the villain keeps killing people that like don't really need to die. Like oh. it's just <laughs> just spur it's a spur of the moment decision, Anna. I mean, haven't you been walking around suddenly it's thinking, you know what? I just really want to kill someone. No, it's, you know? what, what's more, it's, it's, it's actually, it's Florida, man, because it's like, what would be the simplest and easiest solution to my problems? I know, I'll kill someone. <laughs> and yet, that doesn't solve the problem. Like, that's actually what makes it Florida, man, you know? Anna, I like, know you, I know this is going to bother you, but I'm going to bring up a joke from The Good Place. Because one of the, I, 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 to make clear, I don't dislike The Good Place. I know, just I know. Never, I just haven't, it hasn't clicked. But one of the, uh, there's a Florida man character in The Good Place, just incredibly sweet character. And at one point he says, you know, my solution to any problem is just to throw a Molotov cocktail. And someone says, that solves the problem. And he's like, no, it just creates a different problem, though. And yes. so I forget about the first one. Yes, that is what happens with David yes. in, this, in, this, in this book. Well, you will not be surprised, or at least I wasn't surprised, to learn that Dew was a Miami Herald reporter. I am not surprised by that. That was actually, yes. I mean, I'm curious what you thought. That was in some ways the the more real, grounded parts yeah. of the book. I mean, I've never worked as a beat reporter. Mm -hmm. So there's parts of it. There's parts of, of what, what was happening that was like, well, I don't know, maybe it's just different for a newspaper reporter working mm -hmm. on that kind of story. But right. we just have very different relationships to our work. Let's that's say. fair. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> One of the weird things about the book is that she's like, eh, you know, because <laughs> the main character, Jessica, is kind of like, at first she's really, really dedicated to her job. And right. it's like, well, I don't know. I could do it. I could just leave. <laughs> oh, that part. No, no. I was more talking about the dedicated part and like the part where like it could be that she's going to work on a book. Like I actually like those portions that that felt grounded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although yeah. her relationship to her editor was weird. Oh, say. sigh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and there's a there's a thing which she talks about how much she hates working with editors, which mm. I, I I I don't know. That seems like a, such a cliche. I've never actually believed that people really hate working with editors, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe maybe do do did I mentioned the Jordan Peele connection? There mm -hmm. you go. And then also, I found this interesting in 2004, which is now a long time ago. Wow, almost 20 years ago, yep. Blair Underwood optioned this book. Oh, he would. And have been I did good. think to myself, he would be a great David. Yeah, he would have been a good David. I also thought Tay Diggs. He's that kind this, of actually. he's that kind of handsome, like yeah. just like beautiful, mm -hmm. right? And also, he can do dumb. <laughs> Tay Diggs I, I, was the other one I kept thinking as I was reading yes, this. Yes, yes. Also can do smart or dumb. Both of them yeah. have, like, have like kind of that kind of like mean to them. Yeah. So, but otherwise, this was her second book. First book was very well reviewed. Like mm -hmm. I said, this one got a Bram Stoker Award. That is usually one of the things I look for when I'm browsing horror novels. Usually it's a good sign. Are there, is this, was this the first in a series or is this a standalone? Like, yeah. Dan, are you setting me up? Yes. First in the series. There's like four of them. Oh, and they really? all okay. have like four out of five stars, 4.5 stars, Goodreads, like, you know, top 10 horror novels of the year. Also, not surprising, she's written some romance novels. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Because in case we don't mention it, there's some pretty good sex scenes, I think. Yeah. Like, they're good. There, like, there's we there's, some hot there's not a lot of sex scenes in the stuff that we read. No. Like, Tends not to be a ton of them in sci-fi. <laughs> so, I mean, it's nerds writing, so, you yeah. know. But, they yeah. just, it's separate for nerds, I guess. It's sort of like, yeah. no, this is something, I, just my, my spare time. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some decent sex scenes. And that, that I'll, I imagine she writes a good romance novel. Mm. She's not a bad writer. That's no. actually the frustrating thing. It's like, she's a good writer. It's just these characters are terrible. Oh, they're, yeah. We'll, we'll get to this. Yeah, all right. All right, let's get to Chekhov's What's It?, this is the thing that often appears in the first act of the book or show we are watching that winds up being relevant later. My Chekhov's What's It Anna was Chekhov's police report, which really was like, you know, we hear about it and then finally we get to see it and it recurs again and again. And it's one of the more preposterous things in the, <laughs> in the plot. There's several preposterous things. This is one of them. Now, why did you think that was preposterous? Because it was the actual copy of the, the actual police report? 
Because this random murderer that's oh, not yeah, even yeah. really a part of the book she's writing right. turns out to have been committed by her husband. That so she's correct, supposed to be yes. writing a book about abuse of elderly, which also bugged right. me. Isn't it honor thy father and thy mother? Isn't there another thy in there? Yeah, I Because the so. book she's supposedly writing is called Honor Thy Father and Mother. Honor Thy Father and Mother. Well, I'm, I'm honestly not sure at this point now. Well, anyway, it's she's okay. she at one point... It is also weird, almost, like, how quickly that disappears. She's supposed to be writing a book about yeah. elder abuse. And there is this murder in a Chicago nursing home that is no, in no way related to elder abuse. No! Like, it's horrible. Tragedy. Terrible. Yeah. In no way related to elder abuse also happens to have been committed by her husband. Like, yep. it, it, you know. And also, there's another big coincidence. We won't get it. Like, we don't need to, yeah. That's yeah. lots well, of big coincidences. Mm-hmm. That's actually not the weak part of the book. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Anna? What was your what's it? Chekhov's tea cake. Oh, tea cake was the cat. Tea and I did like the, as a yeah. name for a cat. I like tea cake. I got to say that was that was and one of the more charming. Things. I thought one of the reasons why the animal violence is upsetting. And yes, sure that violence against children is also upsetting but uh that was gracefully conceded by you but fairly well fairly well done animal characters i would say i have to admit this was the one time i laughed was the the cat dies at one point um and you know by that point the cat's gonna get resurrected and so but although it dies a horrible death yes yeah describe describe dies a horrible heat death both deaths yeah, horrible. But like the second one in which like there's at one point dude describes the cat having like this horrible like, you know, like expression on his face. And I did start to laugh at that point because you could see how that could be a funny joke. Yeah. OK. I was also going to say Chekhov's dead father. Yeah, that's also. Yeah. I almost said Chekhov's Burger King. But yeah. Also good. Well, related yeah. to dead father. Her yes. father. D- I You know, like there's like sidebars of dumb that we could do. <laughs> Uh, that's a good category we might need to create for future podcasts side ca- sidebars of dumb the sidebars of dumb or like sidebars are stupid that that's sidebars are stupid like yeah. the part like the the thing about her like there's fairly good writing about how much she misses her dad and like how yeah. much the what the grieving was like but then there's like this it's weirdly specific about him eating a burger king Burger. He was going out to Burger King, yes. Right, but like while the ghost, spoiler alert, the ghost of her father is visiting her daughter, he's mm-hmm. eating a burger? <laughs> I like just the assume- image, just the image, like, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> The only reason, I, I mean, I think she had to put that in there to persuade us, the reader, that Kira was not hallucinating or making, or that, that how Kira knew it was her grandfather. I guess, it's, it's. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think I think there's other ways. Dan, just give us a, give us the a snapshot of the plot. Okay. Yes, we're not going to you know as we do now with books, we're not going to give you a, a blow by blow of the plot. This is how it would be on our jacket blurb if we wrote it. Jessica Jacobs Walde is having it all in 1997. Happily married, mother of one, close to her mom B and her sister Alexis, the hematologist, a hardworking journalist, and living in Miami. But wouldn't you know it? Everything starts dying around her. First the family dog, then her best friend at work, then her uncle. Her perfect husband, David, couldn't have anything to do with it. Could he? Turns out he could. David is actually Dewitt, one of 58, I think, immortals who follow the teachings of Khaldun. He's been alive and making incredibly stupid life choices for more than 500 years. Since becoming immortal, Dewitt does not age and all of his wounds, including the mortal kind, heal overnight. This requires him to lay low and avoid entanglements, things he is incredibly bad at avoiding. He is frustrated that his wife is so career-focused, and boy does he take action to put a stop to that. Dewitt's cult sends a searcher, his old friend Mahmoud, to tell him to get the fuck out of Florida and return to Lalibela. Dewitt has other ideas, including telling Jessica the truth and making her and their five-year-old daughter Kira immortal as well. Wacky hijinks ensue, including Jessica trying to flee, Mahmoud trying to kill lots of people, David catching up to Jessica, and the world's most horrific botched immortality attempt. Anna, does that sum it up? I was going to say the animal violence is really bad, and I want to emphasize that, but all the violence <laughs> is bad. Yeah. How's that? That's How's good. that, Dan? Yeah. Because including the violence that you know people are going to heal from mm-hmm. is 
upsetting. And again, like, I, I guess we have to give her credit for that. Although that's never the part of horror that I'm like looking for. Right. You know, but like the scene of him killing himself to prove that he's immortal. Right. Is upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I do think we need to know what made DeWeep immortal. Yes, please do. Because this leads to one of the more confusing aspects or ideas in the book that I don't quite get. Go for it, though, Anna. It's the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Your Savior, Jesus Christ, but yes. My, yes. <laughs> let's, let's be clear about well, this. He technically, he could be anyone. Okay, that is, that, that's a, that's very generous of you to say, Anna. I appreciate okay. that. All right, yes. but yes, the Christian's Lord and Savior, <laughs> which was gathered by some random dudes. That's the part of it that seems weird to me. Okay. It was, it was barely <laughs> sketched out. Like, I, I, one of the things we, that I found <laughs> frustrating about this book was that in some ways, I actually did want more world building. I wanted to know yeah. more about the cult. And I keep saying cult because I'm not entirely sure how else to describe it. But like, so how did how did they get the blood of Christ in the first place? Like, why does Khaldun decide to do this? Why does he only do it once? Like, what you know? I just couldn't. Why think those fifty eight or fifty nine? Yeah, men? exactly. Yeah. Why them? Mm -hmm. Like, it's a random group. Of, like, it's all very random. And then so in the to me the most hilarious part of this is. Well, there's two. There's one is that it's literally like some random people that gather the blood of Jesus. Like, right. he says he was a merchant and ran into some other people who told him that guy's going to die. <laughs> hey, you're not going to believe this guy over here is on a cross, man. <laughs> this guy's going to die. Pretty weird. And his blood is immortal, so we should so get, go get some. <laughs> it just is not, there's no, like, connection. Was there an announcement at, like, the just, mall? Yeah, it's just like... <laughs> Would you like to have immortal blood? Please yeah, go to the crucifix over at Mount Herod. They're not particularly, you know, portrayed as having some secret knowledge nope. or they found it in a scroll. It's he meets them. He's a traveling salesman. <laughs> meets some other traveling salesmen. Yep. <laughs> Except so he's actually of, got the goods. He's not scared. We heard this guy out. is going to die and he's yep. immortal. So we should get his blood. Yep. But then it, halfway through the book, it turns out that may not have happened. <laughs> <laughs> so did I miss this? Because this was the part I couldn't quite get, which is like, Dewey is decidedly atheist or yeah. non-religious. And I kept thinking, really? You're you're immortal from the blood I, of Christ? I, I that would strike same... me as yeah. being a pretty profound statement about the existence of God. I'm just going with that. I had that same thought. But okay. Then also, but then, and then halfway through, though, Dewey goes to Khaldun and says, right. did, you, did this really happen? Did you really, did, are we immortal because you got the blood of Christ? And the answer is... If I told you yes, you would basically. If I told you yes, you wouldn't believe me. And if I told you no, you wouldn't believe me. So I'm not going to tell you anything. Which doesn't really help. That's just no. Like, you know, and, yeah. and and then I hadn't really thought about questioning that because it's it, within the context of the world building. Why would you question that? Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> why? Why would you not believe? You know. Anyway. Anyway. It's. I also yeah. want to say here. Mm -hmm. One of the things I think that novel does i mean maybe we're grading on a curve yeah but the engagement it has with slavery mm -hmm. i think because one of the things that happens in dewey's life is he is enslaved for yes. galactically stupid reasons but we can push that to yes. one side for now yeah yes i think those sections are well done mm -hmm. but it is as per usual with this book mm -hmm. because of the other characters that he comes across. Yes. Like, yeah, it's that's... not him, <laughs> but there's some other like briefly, but well done, well drawn characters in those mm -hmm. sections. And there's also, there's some, there's some ruminating about the legacy of slavery that I think is kind of interesting, hmm. but not much. It's very much around the edges and probably I only noticed it because it was underground railroad a couple episodes ago. <laughs> well, I was, that's the thing. Like if we're talking about this, and again, this is not Dew's fault because this is not a book about chattel slavery. It's just, right. it's partially in there. But like, you know, compared to either Kindred or Underground Railroad, no, this does not approximate. Oh my God, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. I just think it's interesting. One of the things I thought was interesting reading this as a white person, mm -hmm. which is the only way I can read it. <laughs> the ways in which blackness shows up just kind of, she, I, we've read books, I've read books, other books by black people, but there's like this weird way that it shows up um, in a way that you wouldn't think that kind of has to, if that makes sense. 
Like she's always noticing, oh, it's a brother. Oh, it's a sister. Yeah, 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 yeah. You but know? also it's not I it that's there, but it's it's hardly it's not the it's not the melody of the book, if that's the you know, it's it's sort of it's one of the harmony notes is the way I would put it. Yeah, and I, I just thought it was sort of interesting. Yeah. You know, and also it's not it's this is me being kind of postmodern <laughs> about it because I think I'm bringing something to this book that's not necessarily there mm-hmm. but one of the ways I think it is a commentary on the legacy of slavery is that the brothers and sisters that she like vibes with yeah have a very different experience with slavery than David right David yes. is not like the rest of them no he really isn't His, it, and so it's like the mark that that slavery has left upon you know, black Americans mm-hmm. gives them this sense of, gives them a different sense of themselves in the world than yeah. this asshole. <laughs> yes. That's, that's sort of, I mean, again, I don't think she's trying to do that, but I think that's there. But it winds up being there. Yeah. Yeah. We can move on though. Yes. All on. right. Let's discuss how is this science fiction different from all other science fictions? So this is obviously much more supernatural than it is sci-fi, but you know, it falls into that orbit i think there are three ways this book stand out for me anna the first and and most of them are not terrifically flattering the first is this book has not one but two supernatural threads that never intersect i mean we talked about this last week plot intersects yes but like we we talked about nope last week and i was like a little frustrated about that but i you made a valid case for why those two things do work and I, i i'm willing to buy that in this case there was a brief moment where you learn, you know, the the dominant supernatural thing is the fact that Deweed is immortal and he can potentially make other people immortal. And then it also turns out that Kira can see ghosts or spirits. She and sees I have dead to, people. Yeah, she sees dead people. And I have to admit, when we first realized that, that was actually the first moment I got excited by this book. Because I was like, oh, this is going to be fascinating. I wonder how this is going to interact with the main thread in the book. And the answer is, it doesn't. And that really goddamn annoyed me. So that that's thing one. Thing two, and again, this, this bears repeating. David, or Dawit, whatever, is the dumbest fucking protagonist I have ever read for this podcast, Anna. I, I think that's a safe statement. I mean... Jessica's not... So brilliant, either. No, but like well, Jessica, I mean, she's actually the different. Different. He's dumb. Yes, she is Jessica's hopeless. made poor life choices. Like she is. She is just like determined to not make good choices, which yes. eventually tore me between sad and hilarious. Like, yeah, that's yes, and I think during and in some ways might have actually made the last part of the book, which could be, which you know. If you if you really are invested in the characters, can be very grim. Mm-hmm. I think unintentionally made it more you know humorous for me. But I was so angry at David for being an idiot that that became the dominant you know feeling. Like all the number of ways in which first over the span of five hundred years he makes galactically stupid choices. Like I'm just going to go down to Louisiana to see what slavery is yeah. like. Yeah, he decides to see what's up with slavery. Yeah. Like, I, I'm like, oh, okay. That would be like me if I was immortal saying, hey, you know where I'm going to go? Nazi Germany. I think that's a fantastic place well, to see what the Jews are, you know, what's happening so to the Jews. What, one of the things that's sort of interesting, can mm-hmm. I can I say one of the things that I think Please. is kind of different yeah. about it? Because it, it ties in here. Mm-hmm. This is the only temptation of immortality tale that I have read where the temptation is knowledge. Hmm that is the reason why all of them choose to become immortal is at least the reason we're given. And I respect that. That's, and I think that's cool. Like I'd be like, yeah, like I, my favorite thing in the world is to stay up late reading. (laughs) (laughs) And I sort of see that kind of immortality is a really cool version of being able to read for as long as you want. I suppose. Yeah, no, no, no. In some ways, like becoming anthropologists or essentially, or like doing ethnographic research that I get and if I believe and, that so, David that's what was, I was going to say, so that is why he sort of says he wants to go to Louisiana. I guess. Like, and if I believed Dewitt was that smart, I would give you that point. Except he's not. He's really, really dumb. And this comes through again in the modern plot where he keeps making mistakes and is just sloppy when it comes to killing people. It, and it also, just, yeah, he just doesn't have to. That's that is like the thing that drives me crazy in this right. section because he just doesn't have to kill them. 
No. Like, and then he also treats it like, oop, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and what, what did legitimately <laughs> bother me is... His mistakes, it's as though, like, he had toilet paper on his shoe. Right, He's and like, what oh, bothers me is that there's a, there is a way in which the book does that, too, and that's where I got really angry. The funniest, the un, most unintentionally hilarious section of this book is where Jessica is arguing with David. Jessica finally, like, accuses him of killing everyone, of, of killing, you know, his his uh, her best friend Peter, um, pushing Alexis out the window, and so on and so forth. And David's response is, well, I didn't kill Alexis. That wasn't me. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. And I'm like, really? That's your response? <laughs> you know, that was just you know awful but also like even little things like when he's trying to figure out how to make tea cake immortal and he does oh, the yeah, yeah, stuff yeah, with yeah, the yeah. lizards Which and he doesn't gruesome, clean up gruesome and horrible yeah where he's like how am i gonna kill the cat and he's like i'll shoot him full of isopropyl alcohol yeah. oh my god i mean yep. of all the ways you could kill an animal like that's gruesome that's they're horrible. all bad yeah and, and, i mean yeah it, yeah, no, so, like, he just, like, let me put it this way, the one thing I found humorous about this, and I, 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 or it, I don't know if it's humorous, but but it's un, it's unusual, is that most immortal characters are yeah. painted as all-knowing, like, very, you know, like, people who've obviously seen the world, like, you know, very sophisticated, and Do tries to do that with Deweet, but weirdly enough, he comes across as increasingly an idiot, you know, an idiot who speaks many languages, but like not someone who is very bright about the way that human beings. I don't do think he really went to Harvard, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> that would explain a lot. This is what that was one of my like. Uh, so I, as listeners may know, had a little pet peeve about Harvard being invoked. As <laughs> like that's a sign of it. You, oh my gosh, they went to Harvard. Yeah. Yep. Then it's sort of like the New York Times, like someone being like, they worked at the New York Times? <laughs> Pinnacle of everything. And so maybe he did go to Harvard. <laughs> actually, now that I take it back, it's like, you, you can be a big dummy and go to Harvard. Yeah, I was going to say, like, actually, he does have Harvard product written all over him. And yeah, he does, doesn't he? That's a good point. The, <laughs> He's the... a legacy admission. <laughs> yes. Oh, 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 Anna. The... <laughs> The final way this book is different, I think, is that the horror is real. It's just that it has nothing to do with sci-fi. Yeah. There are dying dogs. There are dying children. And actually, in some ways, the, the longest-running horror for me was... It was exasperating after a while. It was, was a marriage that you realize, in the end, is emotionally abusive. It's awful. In a whole variety of ways. And I don't, you know... I'm honestly not sure if that was the intent. I'm going to give Do the credit and assume it was, but you know, it it was it was just horrifying. And I I, I think see where I think Do what I think Do is trying to do and fails is we're supposed to feel sympathetic for Dawit as well. And the reason I think that is because in the first forty pages of the book, we don't understand we don't know who he is really. And so, you know, remember, it's his dog that dies and so forth. So I think we're somehow so think, oh, he's great. Look at him. He's he's kindly and he, he's knowledgeable and, you know, he's really good in bed and he loves his dog and so on and so forth. Oh, and he's also immortal. But, you know, I was just exasperated with him by page 100. I never liked, well, for one, Dan, he has introduced killing someone. Like, that's the very first scene of the book. So right, I'm but we sure don't how know much sympathy we're supposed to have. Well, no, have but we don't him. know that's him at the time. Or at least I didn't know that was the I... same person at the time. I mean, you wind up realizing it, but yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I realized it pretty quickly. And yeah. also, for me, yes, we've been, you know, mocking this book a fair amount. And, and I think it's worthy of being mocked. But the emotionally abusive aspects of it were at times upsetting yeah because it's a very accurate picture of mm -hmm. how that works unfortunately and it, it it i don't think you have to have gone through it yourself to know how accurate that is i think all of us have seen mm -hmm. this kind of thing which is it can be very subtle but he's constant he's monitoring her all the time yeah. he's uh invading her space all the time mm -hmm. he's manipulating her all the time and she's constantly making excuses for him. Right. Constantly that's a, explaining how everything's yeah. fine. 
constantly putting off like when her friends and family are like oh something seems off here she's yeah. like what no, do you no, mean no, no, you no, won't no. get an hiv test or like that you know, was or any blood- that was alarming oh that's a red that that is a <laughs> red warning light that is like what no you don't get to do that what are you talking about like that you know that yeah. made no sense yeah so like i actually went and looked at like the sign there's the five signs of emotional abuse. And ah. I, I just want to run through them really quick. Cause I, okay. I think it's might be worth just going through because it shows how odd in a way like that relationship is as it's portrayed you know, in the book, like mm-hmm. how, what we're supposed to, I don't know what we're supposed to think about mm-hmm. that relationship. I don't want to laugh about this, but this describes their relationship. So one, Mm-hmm. They're hypercritical or judgmental. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they ignore boundaries or invade your privacy. Oh, God, David does that all the time. Yes, yes. They're possessive and controlling. Uh, yes, yes. Which he, like, doesn't want her to... He, he literally murders her colleagues so she won't write this book. <laughs> she won't write a like, book. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Spouses can get jealous of the time you spend on work, Dan. I know that, but... <laughs> I don't know. It seems extreme. Yeah. They are manipulative and they often dismiss you or your feelings. And it's just fucking like, like it's like I said, it's upsetting just how textbook this is and how her reactions are also sadly kind of textbook. See, I will say this, the thing that I, and I, this I'm, I'm quite certain do intended. The thing that I found upsetting was the way in which, and again, it's a knife edge sort of property because on the one hand, you think this is perfectly healthy, but the way that David essentially cultivates Kira, his oh, daughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the way that, that, you know, like, the, I have to admit, this is the one of the subtler like, things in the book, it is, and it's well done. It's a kind of grooming. Yeah, uh, okay. I'm not crazy like about not, that. Not, not the best word yeah. associations, but it's, how do I put it? The only reason it's I say conscious. It, 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 it's a conscious act by him to. It's a conscious act by him to get her to not like her, to not trust her mom. Yeah, or to love him more is the way I yeah. would put it. Yeah, yeah, and that and which is mission accomplished because that is how I mean Kira clearly loves you know loves Jessica, but Kira is bonded with David in a way that is very different and unhealthy and disturbing. So something I'm surprised you haven't mentioned is a thing you hate about the book, Dan, is <laughs> yes. how academia is portrayed, <laughs> or the behavior of this particular 26 year old professor. Yeah, well, who's not obviously 26, but. <laughs> There's a serious age gap there, Anna. So as I as I think I texted you, well, so I remember, so two things. First of all, yes, yeah, so the, the, the romance starts because David is teaching, I believe, intermediate Spanish that Jessica takes, and, you know, he's teaching at the University of Miami. For fun. And, for fun, for, for the heck of it, because he's, he's actually, actually music. in the music department. I he's know that's department. something you do too, right, Dan? Oh, yeah, like, totally. Pick up I, extra classes? Sure, because that's... <laughs> That's where the big money is on it, is just sort of teaching those extra classes. I mean, I guess he, to be fair for the knowledge, although, again, in this case, it, maybe he was like trolling. I don't know for 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 a spouse. But yes, professor, course is done, starts dating immediately. Like there's no, no, no discussion of any problematic norms there. And I know 1997 is, you know, when this, which is when this, like, or I guess this was supposed to be like early 90s, given when, when that happened. I know that was 30 years ago on it. It was still kind of bad then. I mean, the norm wasn't quite calcified, but it was pretty strongly in place, especially if she's 20. She's an undergrad for fuck's sake. She's an undergrad, and she tells him, don't worry, I won't file a sexual harassment complaint. (laughs) Like, it's it's a norm that's bad enough that she feels the need to reassure him, which is also, by the way, kind of classic emotional abuse situation, Mm -hmm. to, to be, like, making excuses for the person that's doing this and also as a professor he sounds horrible (laughs) like he mocks his students and like gives them the silent treatment and like he's he's incredibly tough and she keeps going back for more it's actually like it's again i want to come up with another word besides upsetting but like that seems like that's the only word i can use because it's it's it it's it it's cringy it's cringy that's what it is yeah no the part that actually drove me nuts was when they say that, like, I, I literally have, like, underlined this, and I say, wait, what, in the comments, where it's like, David has quit his job teaching at the University of Miami as soon as Kira was born, two years after they were married, just like that, which I was like, wait, what? That, you know, no. And then, like, he's making his money, ostensibly, 
by working at home as a book translator and a contributing editor of a couple of foreign language history journals and lecturing about jazz. And like, Anna, I hate to break this to you. There is no way you make a living wage doing any of those things. <laughs> now we come to discover he's also just independently wealthy. Independently wealthy, wealthy which is fair enough. Like that's that's yeah. fine. But like that was like red flag, like, you know, 35 at this point when I, when I was so reading. So many yes. red flags. Decorate the whole house in red flag. Yes. Well, I was going to ask, so, you know, yes. So the the academia thing, I was like, Ugh. in some ways what happened, and I think I texted you this on a, I, yes, the academia stuff was ridiculous, but I was so exasperated by his stupidity later in the book that I almost forgot about that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what I was going to ask is, so like I, you had issues with the treatment of journalism. Well, it mainly is that it's her, I guess it's just so foreign from my experience. Okay. In that she doesn't seem to really care. <laughs> it's one of those things like, I, I just don't, I don't identify with the whole like, break the story and then move on, mm-hmm. you know, like she, she doesn't have like a consistent set of values mm-hmm. that makes her want to do certain kinds of journalism. Yeah. There's you know? no really just, dis- I mean, she's a journalist, but there's no discussion of why she becomes a journalist. There's no, yeah, it, there's no animating passion there. I guess, Like, like I want to, you know, stick it to the man right. or I want to amplify the voice of the needy or I, you know, I mean, take the powerful I, I, and keep them to account or something. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I know some journalists who just love being gossips, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, like lack, lack of a better framing. They just like breaking stories, and they right. really could cover almost anything. Yeah. And it, it's just the power of knowing more than other people, mm-hmm. which is very, very attractive. I oh, believe. yeah, 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 absolutely. Sure. I love knowing more than other people. I just don't care if other people know that I know more than them. <laughs> <laughs> I just like knowing things. I don't care about like breaking a story. Sources loved me. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to write it. Just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and then also this like very weird aversion to, to me. Again, I've heard that there are people like this who like hate getting edited and feel resentment towards their editors like all the time. Right. And I get annoyed by being edited sometimes, but it's usually because like I want to keep something and they want to get rid of it yeah. and they want to get rid of it. But I've been doing this long enough, but this is not even something I, I had to really learn, which is that often if you really love something like you've got maybe to kill your it, darling, got to kill your darlings. I didn't learn that phrase till later on, but like, I feel like it was in high school that I kind of realized that if you're really hanging tight onto a certain turn of phrase or something, rethink it. <laughs> Like, or it, might, it might be worth keeping, but pick your battles. You know, not everything you write is genius and editors are there to keep you from embarrassing yourself. Yeah. So there's that, that, that's it. Oh, I wanted to say one thing sort of interesting to me, which is mm-hmm. the other, the animating uh, desire of David or DeWeet besides knowledge, I, actually he, he sort of, he forwards it or, or clothes his motivation to stay among the humans as he wants knowledge like he's just mm-hmm. interested in anthropology or whatever right but one of his fellow immortals accuses him of being addicted <laughs> to emotions and mm-hmm. being addicted to being among mortals and i just wanted to point out that that's not off the wall that in you know sure. in speaking of being in a abusive relationship like there are physiological things that happen like when you're in an intense relationship that it's hard to stop. Right. Like you get used to the certain like rush of chemicals that happens when you experience these intense emotions. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think David might be an addict for like intensity. It know? would explain again, the many stupid decisions he has. That made. would explain the many stupid. That actually wait, would, yeah. If you did a reading of this book as though it were a story of a, it, it were, <laughs> or as an addiction narrative. An addiction that, that actually doesn't, that's not the worst it becomes a slightly it more. It makes it a better book. book. It yeah. really does. Yeah, that's a fair point. Dan, one more thing about the religion. Oh yeah, please. Jessica's supposed to be devout Christian. Right, and that is like a through line of the book. Yes. I'm a Christian. Oh, okay, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more. Well, Dan, have you accepted? No, no, not that much more. Nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Dan, can I tell you the good news? <laughs> You asked. You asked. I did. I did walk right into that. 
No, the thing is, and I, I again, this is a thing where like I have heard, I know intellectually there are people, there are Christians who kind of think like this, mm-hmm. or I, I don't know, but her, the, she says she believes in heaven at one point. She mm-hmm. talks about heaven a fair amount, and yeah. the reason she believes is that it makes her lonely to think about this being the only world. Hmm. And I don't know that I, I find that in intriguing and fascinating and unconvincing Hmm. in a way like i guess i've heard other people talk about this too but if you're dead you're dead right like if there's no such thing as heaven Mm -hmm. well that just means there's no such thing as heaven i mean it might be disappointing and hard to believe if that's something you grew up with Mm -hmm. but it's not like there's no heaven and you then you're you have to sit in the corner as a soul Right? I suppose it's a little dispiriting to think about that, though, I suppose. I guess. I don't know. It was just, it's, 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 it is a non, it is a reason to believe in heaven that's not very Christian. That's fair. Although, it's more about, it's more about belief in an afterlife than belief in heaven, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's what I that's, sort of mean, yeah, is that it's yeah. like, like, it's not about the glory of God and like the promise of coming home and like, right. that Jesus has given us this amazing gift. I don't believe in heaven, by the way. but but if i i believe in the metaphor of the gift Hmm. of of beings of salvation i believe in the metaphor of salvation which is to say being born again on this earth the chance to do do good for my fellow humans like that is that is what i think of as my i am in my i am in my afterlife right now i'm supposed to be dead Hmm. you know and i mean that because the whole addiction thing yeah yeah. but i don't think of heaven as like a thing that actually if it is awesome you know, I guess. Mm-hmm. Although I also don't think that God would keep people out. Anyway, it's not a Christian reason to believe in heaven. That is my point. So there, Dan. Okay. <laughs> it's I've also been... a very transactional vision of, of Christianity, although that's not that rare. Yeah, I was going to say that's not that's totally surprising. Again, the thing that I think frustrated me about that part was that it's there. Again, it just doesn't intersect with anything else in the book. Yeah. Which was frustrating. All right, we should talk about the characters, Anna. Not many more than we've mentioned, but... No, like, I don't know if they any of them pop for you. As I said, my basic problem was that I hated David. I was exasperated by Jessica. They're both really dumb. At one point, there's literally a sentence where David says he should have been smitten down for his own stupidity, and fucking A right he should have. Because, again, so many dumb decisions. The one group of characters that I really did like were Jessica's family. I, I did like Alexis... Her sister, I liked B, her mother. I liked her friend Peter. Like those characters, I actually were quite charmed by. And Uncle Billy. Oh, also. and Uncle Billy. Yeah, Uncle Billy is good. Yeah. Uncle Billy has a great scene with David where he's like, he he's not scared of him, and he's just like, that was a chilling me. scene though. Fuck you. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, it it worked. It, it worked. And yeah. yet at the end, he's like, oh no, he really is going to kill me, which yep. is <laughs> is a nice. It's nice. I mean, not nice. It's like well done. Well done. <laughs> I also liked Alexis, her sister. She has a great speech where. She points out something that doesn't always get pointed out in like mm-hmm. these kinds of narratives, supernatural narratives, yeah. where David has this all healing blood. Mm-hmm. And if we don't share it with the world, then we're just as bad as the Tuskegee Institute. Mm-hmm. Or we're, we're proving that the conspiracy theories are true, that there is yes, a, there I are did. these cures and we're, they're being they're being held back. I did like her rant about that. That was good. That was, that yeah. was, that was interesting. And that was an, a, a take I wasn't expecting. And so that was, yeah. I appreciate I like that. that. Yeah. All right. Dan, do we have anything good to say about this book? I mean, the lines the, that we liked. All right. There's one line that I liked literally one in which it comes early in the book, unfortunately during the dog death. But uh, mm. at one point she writes, dogs are entertainers, cats, philosophers. And I was like, okay, that's good. That tracks. Totally fair. Yep. Yep. What about you, Anna? One particular line, humans were not meant to bear the grief of hundreds of years. Hmm. And it comes in the context of a larger passage that I also like. Learn to relish the clouds, to marvel at the sunrise. The clouds and sunrise are constant like yourself and will never cause you grief. Do not underestimate the tyranny of grief. Humans were not meant to bear the grief of hundreds of years and mortals do not. But living among them, you will do it, and then you will know hell. Mm-hmm. That's I good. thought that was a pretty nice, vivid yeah. summation of the sort of typical, like, you really don't want to live forever. Right. You know, thing. Although it's from somebody who lives forever. 
<laughs> but I, 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 I like the, the, the idea that humans are not built to bear all this grief and then they don't have to because their lives are limited. But you are still human in this way that you also cannot bear that much grief. Yeah. It's an interesting way of phrasing it. Yeah. Like, well, Dan. Yes, Anna? I do have a question. Oh, okay. Is there IR in this book? All I know is what I see, Anna. What I see is what I know. And I know that there is a small amount of IR in this book. Just a couple of things, really. First, the idea that the immortals would be essentially isolationists. You know, once Khaldun <laughs> creates yeah. the Covenant, he makes it very clear, no, we're not going to really... Well, yeah, they're, yeah, they're actually, yeah. Yeah, no, they're totally isolationists. You know, he, he's right to have the Covenant mostly live a monastic lifestyle, especially, you know, as technology develops. You know, like Wakanda, you don't want knowledge of your own power to seep out. And, you know, so so the rules that, that Khaldun sets up, totally sensible, you know, and he's actually the only one of a lot of them who's like, really don't kill mortals that, you know, unless you absolutely have to. And because like the rest of them are just totally disdainful of mortals, which I found repellent. The other thing that I think this book gets at, and again, it's a surprising take on immortality, but it's interesting to me, is the relationship between anarchy and evolution, which is in international relations, the logic is, is that because the world is anarchic, it's a competitive world environment, and therefore it forces states to have to adapt or die. In other words, because you could be destroyed at any moment, because you could be invaded, your sovereignty could be winked out of existence, you must be constantly prepared. You must constantly adapt to threats out there. As it turns out, if you're immortal, you don't really have to adapt. That's the lesson from this book. In fact, Dewitt does the opposite, really. There's this whole section about how he loathes pain, which I found very amusing, you know, partially because it's a biological symptom, but also because he's just not used to it. You know, he, he's, he, I think it was like he's sensitive to even the slightest discomfort. And so as a result, they don't have to adapt, which permits immortals to be lazy, sexist, and really, really dumb, Anna. I mean, it's just, it's impressive. The sexist well, one is... Well, is this immortal to be yeah. dumb. The other ones are sexist. <laughs> but we don't know how dumb they are. Possibly. But like, I'm beginning to think, like, you know... Mahmoud doesn't succeed at his quest. Like these, uh, the, when he has the conversation with the other immortals, I'm not terribly sure how bright they are. I am frankly coming to the conclusion that most of the immortals are dumb because they have no. I mean, you're right. In theory, it's supposed to be all about knowledge, and maybe Khaldun is smart, but and maybe some of them are. But you know, it turns out a lot of them can skate for a long time because it doesn't really matter. Yep. If there yep. are no stakes, if there's no consequences, yep. then mm -hmm. why bother to get good at fighting, for instance? Right. Like, exactly. Which apparently, they're not. Like, <laughs> which again is weird. It's just weird. If it, you know you're going to survive every duel, yeah. Why bother winning? Exactly. Like, you know, but it 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 does like it it is in in that sense. It is honestly, and I don't think it was intentional, but it's honestly contrary to most other sort of immortal narratives we re we read or watch. Yeah. So, Anna, I have a question for you. Yes, Dan. Is there a critique of capitalism in this book, Dan? You know who never tries to come up with more clever solutions than just killing people? <laughs> Capitalism. <laughs> Capitalism. I don't know. Capitalism is pretty good at coming up with creative ways of killing people. There I mean, you okay. go. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So I do think that you can make a case here for longevity is kind of a hyperbolic example of rentier capitalism, right? Ooh, like talk about okay. not earning money, like yeah. profiting off the labor of others, and you yeah. just get to collect rent. Right. I do think that altered carbon did it better. Yes. A lot better. Oh, a yes. A lot, lot Much. better. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing <laughs> about altered carbon is that, is that it came up with a different way of thinking about immortality, which I really, I actually thought that was yeah. That you could literally well buy yeah. it. Like it's, yeah. it's. It is not even a metaphor in yep. altered carbon, but no. it is a critique. And this yep. is like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some work. <laughs> <laughs> More work than usual, perhaps. Yes. <laughs> I like how we sound like dying cats. <laughs> or, or your dog. Yes. Yes. It's discordant it, notes. Yes. This is where we take questions from, you know, our patrons on the discord who want to ask us about, anything about what we're talking about. In this case, Carrie asked a question. It's a two-parter. First, what do you think of the trope of immortal figure is uniquely tragic and melancholy because they watch the people they love grow old and die? Carrie, by the way, thinks it's a BS trope. And then second, are favorite slash least favorite immortals? So I do think 
in terms of this sort of tragedy thing, in this book, it is undercut by the fact of David's stupidity. But I will say this. It was interesting to me. I It wasn't so much the thought of her, you know, outgrowing or, or watching Jessica grow old, but having your children and outliving your children, that did strike me as as something to avoid. I mean, that is, it's usually a tragedy if your children die before you. And it's not something I wish on any parent. So the, I understood that a little bit. But again, it says something about this book that I think actually Highlander, which is not thought of as a great movie exactly, but in a weird way is better on both counts than this than this book in terms of dealing with this. Like there's that that scene with the Kurgan in the church where he talks about Christ dying for his sins and that's his greatest weakness. That's deeper than a lot of this book, Anna. Yeah. And and yeah. which is a not a good thing to say. Is, is all I'm pointing out. And by the way, that does suggest my, my favorite immortal is probably the high, you know, is, is Highlander, I gotta say. I was gonna say Angel or Spike. I mean, I'm gonna go Ooh, with the... Ooh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna go yeah. with some, some hot vampires as my favorite immortal. I will say there was one moment in this book where I was sort of deeply struck by the idea of that immortality, should it exist, right? Yeah, if, if it we exists. take it as a thing right. that could happen, means immortal until the heat death of the universe. Like right, it that, means, yeah, like really, like I don't know. And, and for some reason, the line that drove that home for me mm-hmm. was when Dewey <laughs> goes to see Jessica in an epilogue, and I won't go into detail. Mm-hmm. And he tells her, you know, all of your loved ones will die, and he says, one by one, they will all be gone. <laughs> They are mortals, and you no longer of them, and you and tea cake alone <laughs> will remain. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I know it's it's it it is both hilarious because mm-hmm. this profundity, you and tea cake alone, and tea cake <laughs> is just it's a great name for cat, but it, it in that particular name. context, it's just so weird. Yeah. But for some reason, the idea of like being on a barren earth that's like been overcome like climate change has happened yeah. and nuclear war and it's just you and the cat like and no <laughs> other humans like obviously this is a dream scenario for me in some ways but <laughs> <laughs> but it, for some reason that it just it it drove home like how what how long that would be right the one thing this so so first of all in fairness to to Dew's book, the other immortals we're talking about, whether it's Highlander or vampires or what have you, actually still can die. Like they can actually, yeah. they can die. What Dew does here is talk about what is real true immortality mean? Yeah. Like she actually has this passage where she talks about getting beheaded and nope, the head just grows back. Like that doesn't, that's not going to stop it. And so like, this is a case in which to truly be immortal means you can't die no matter what you try to do. And yeah, like I, I, I I'm generally someone who's interested in living for a long, long, long time, Anna. But like reading this book, I was like, ooh, I'm not sure I want to live that long. No, that seems yeah. bad. Yeah. So, yes, fair enough. Oh. Ping, ping. It's Dewey driving. Yeah. He's a bad driver. I don't know. He's added <laughs> a lot of things. He's kicking up debris. It's the debris field. That's yes. what it is. The things that we still need to talk about that we haven't talked about. I had I don't have a lot left, Dan. Do you have anything left? I've got one or two things, I think. But why don't you go first? At one point, Mahmoud yeah. uh, lights a cigarette. And I was like, yeah. Like, I'm surprised <laughs> that didn't come up earlier. Yeah, totally fair. Yeah. <laughs> I yep. thought that was hilarious. I kind of admired the fact that it's just like one little throwaway thing. Mm-hmm. It would have been funny though if I write, ever write a book that has immortality in it. I'm gonna have mm-hmm. all of the immortal smoke. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's good. Your turn. Um, I did like David liking The Godfather. Yeah, I thought that was very funny. Like his favorite movie is The Godfather. I'm like, yeah. I wonder why, David. I wonder if that speaks to you in a particular way. And again, he's so dumb that I'm not entirely sure he knows why he likes it that much. He likes about the corruption of the soul, but 
I'm not quite sure if he's figured out that there might be a little, you know, a lesson to learn. Yes. A commentary perhaps on that action. Yeah. Oh, uh, speaking of which I did also like the fact that like he'd sworn off movies for 60 years because the first movie he sees is birth of a nation. Yes. That, that was, was funny. That was and good. He, <laughs> I like that. That was a solid, solid, solid joke. Very good. Yeah. yeah. And there were inconsistencies in it. That's also funny. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I, this was a pet I genuinely liked and I thought it was, it's some cultural commentary. That's good. There's a moment where Jessica is trying to decide whether to write the book mm-hmm. and she feels like, Oh no, like I'm not ready. I can't do this. This is just being handed to me on a plate. Like, do I deserve it? Mm-hmm. And she thinks to herself, that's the difference between us and white folks. Yes. They don't stop and say, I can't, or should mm-hmm. I, they just do it. That, and when that I was, was a skill sooner or later, she would need to pick up for herself. Yeah. That, no, no, no. That was where I was like, Oh, okay. She does get, that that was like I that was a good moment. I I agree. That was a, yeah, a solid I like moment. That. Anything else? Yeah, I got two other things, I guess. One is that it was striking to me that the book is set in 1997. And to be fair, part of me kept thinking this is so dumb. And I realized that not entirely, because I kept thinking, this is an age of camera phones when you're gonna capture everything. And no, 1997 is before that. It's almost pre-internet, in fact. So, you know, it was striking to me just like I know it's 25. 26 years ago, but there are ways in which when you're thinking about sci-fi in terms of dealing with immortals, no, it is a different time. Cause I kept wondering, don't you realize you idiot, you can't get photographed. Like that'll be a bad thing. You know, you, you really have to lay low. And I think in some ways, 1997 was probably around the last time if there was an immortal, this would have occurred to you or, you know, you would have started realizing the problems going forward. In fact, there's a, and then he does get photographed. Yeah. Yeah. So Again, one is. of the many stupid things he does, where it's like, yeah, what if I go, what if I join a jazz band? And well, like, he I, almost becomes famous. Like, that's right. also like... But really, thing. really <laughs> stupid. Yes. <laughs> yeah. His jazz band apparently is like on the verge of break, you know, breaking wide. Mm-hmm. And that would be dumb if that had happened. <laughs> then really dumb for him. It's Again, it's like... <sighs> oh, and... This isn't a huge thing, but it's a minor thing. Again, as a parent, it was driving me nuts. When Jessica finally tries to, you know, take Kira and and drive away and doesn't close the door, the car door. Right, like, right, that right. was That was agonizing to read, even though it was only for a page. It's like, no, you stop and close the goddamn door. That is not the right way to do this. You know, just as a parenting thing that, like, for any parent, that is an utterly horrifying thing to read about. You know what I'll say also that this is a note. I, I do feel like I need to note whenever the book does anything good good at right. all yeah. <laughs> kira was it was ad- adorable yeah until she, she got to be a little bratty but yeah, that but was that's, in that's character yeah, that exactly. was like part yeah. of what was happening in the book was that right. david was making her bratty and i thought she was a charming little girl i agree i was very upset by her death not I as was. upset as i was but, <laughs> I was but it's good that you were upset it, it, I, it was right were, it's a, it's no, it's a high compliment for you to play, praise a child character. That that uh, That's you know, right. yeah. and you know what I will say is that uh, I thought I the twist of Jessica letting her die mm-hmm. as the thing a loving mother would do mm-hmm. was satisfying. Yeah. yeah, didn't you? I mean, I don't know. You're the parent, but like the idea that she'd be like, no, to have her be immortal would be a fate worse than that i mean the problem was again this is where like it's a stupid plot because the thing that's very clear we know from david's perspective is that if she had become immortal she still would have grown up she wouldn't right. it, it was it wasn't like a a, a kirsten dunst interview with a vampire kind of situation but jessica didn't know that because dewey right. never told her and so yes from her perspective in that situation i get why she did Sort of yeah, question. and I even think like I don't know if you would wish immortality on a person that you loved, mm-hmm. a normal person like David's a, a, a narcissist. Yeah. So and also I, who eventually I, strips pe- he strips both Kira and Jessica of their choice. Like he drugs them. Right. So, that's like, what I'm yeah. saying. So yeah. like yeah, I think the idea that Jessica would see her daughter being dragged into immortality against her wishes, unknowing, like yeah. un- like completely to be completely taken by surprise by it right and also perhaps to remain a five-year-old forever yeah i can see a mother yeah. making the incredibly difficult choice which is like it's it's well done it's like an incredibly difficult choice but she yeah. decides not to make her child immortal the the work actually i will say this the most horrifying scene in the whole book for me for me not the dog that was pretty bad 
it was David talking Kira into swallowing the pills. Yeah. That oh, was yeah. just agony. And and again, it's a credit to Dew's writing. Kira's a well-done character. And at that point, you you know, she clearly, like, it's the most unhappy she is in the entire book. And it, it's very well done. And that's sort of what I meant by yeah, grooming has, has come to have yeah. like very specific attachments to it right. as a word. But that's kind of where I get a feeling of like he was. He was preparing for that moment, it almost seemed like. So, yes, yes. that's the part where it's frustrating. Yes. There's another word you could use besides grooming, but yeah, that's, that's the word that came to mind. All right, Dan, we've probably spent more time on this book than we have on things that we genuinely loved. Yep. But it was fun to talk about. Always fun to talk mm -hmm. about anything with you. Dan, Aww, really. Same. Likewise with you. Anna. So including the core. Which, our, which our I am looking forward next, to. Yes. Uh, text. I think the core and is going to be a good like counterpoint to this. Yes. 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 And then after that, we'll be doing Prospect, Prospect. and then the probably Last of, Last of Us. Yeah. And then we uh, take suggestions. I think we're hitting Vapril at that point, potentially. Yes, Vapril. And until then, keep this channel open for more.